and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, episode 98, by the way, as we march towards 100, our centennial, and we're so excited to uh, get to that mark. It's a milestone. Glad to have you along with us. Thank you for your support, and if you ever want to uh, check out more of the show, you can always go to RadioWarp.com. That's Radio, W-A-R-P.com, RadioWarp.com, and uh, check us out. But coming up on the show, I'm going to try to come up with an idea to merge what I think are two good concepts into one in an effort to strike up conversation with our neighbors, which may include people that we don't get along with because of political ideology or other things, and see if we can't move the pendulum forward and try to get this country going again, try to get society going again, try to get us communicating and getting back to raising the standard and bringing out our inner greatness. So the last couple of administrations, the prior administration, came up with a slogan, Make America Great Again. And the current administration came up with a slogan, Build Back Better. Now, of course, when it comes to the politics of things, Build Back Better was, you know, basically Biden trolling Trump and his administration, and make America great again was something that Ronald Reagan had came up with in the uh, 1980s. And so again, when you hear these things, you might think, or you might cringe, depending on your political alignment, that it's just a, a slogan. And yes, it is. And yes, they are. But what can we do? What can we do to make America great again by building back better? What if we combine the two? Novel concepts. Wait a minute. We can't do that. You've got two sides of the aisle then coming together. Well, like I've said all along, our answer is not in politics. Our answer is in people at the grassroots level, the community level. And so that's what we're going to try to do. You know, we are so politically divided. There is no doubt about that when it comes to not only political ideology, but the vaccine and the masks and any other thing for that matter. And it's gotten to the point where everything is so steeped into politics that it's hard to, we're going to have to claw our way out of it if we want to get out of it. We're going to have to do what we can to get over the hypocrisy, the misinformation, the lies. We're going to have to start looking at these issues from a singular perspective, not as a political perspective. A lot of people just align themselves with a political party or political agenda and everything that that party or that agenda is going for, they just align themselves with it without even really thinking for themselves. And it's both sides. It doesn't matter. It's, it's there. If you're observant, you can see it. If you're one of them that's steeped in it, then you're probably blinded by it and you don't see it. And that's why we don't have conversation moving forward. A lot of name calling going on. Really? We're adults, people. Do you really have to... Someone told me one time, I think it was my um, first year speech and debate professor, said that if someone is relegated to name-calling, you've lost the argument. So keep that in mind. So what we need to do is take the emotion out of it. And we need to look at things through a perspective 
of logic and reason. Now, a lot of people that have followed the show from the beginning know that when I look at things, I look at things through a logical and reasonable perspective. I don't really align myself with uh, the political view, although there's some political views that I do align myself with and I think are good. There's others that I don't think, and it's on both sides of the party, or both parties are involved. For example, I remember back when Obamacare took place. Here's an example. So when Obamacare took place, remember it was the, uh, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Well, that didn't really pan out. I lost my doctor, lost a good doctor. And in fact, during that time when I was on Obamacare, I went through like three or four doctors and it was basically just go to urgent care because at least at urgent care, you can get in and out pretty quick without having to fill out all those forms every time you need to switch doctors. Unfortunately, during that time, I wasn't uh, sick, you know, cold here or something, but nothing serious. But one of the things, and, and then I didn't, so the things I didn't like was the IRS, you know, charging you $600, forcing you again. A lot of people look at the, uh, the mandate, these vaccine mandates, and they're like uh, for them. But remember when we were forced to have insurance? There was a lot of people that did not want to be forced to have insurance. In fact, I know some people that paid the $600. So um, we had to deal with the IRS and the $600. We had to deal with dealing with the IRS when we did get insurance. So I got a job, got insurance through my job. And then the IRS kept billing me $600. And I had to prove that I had insurance some other place and not on the exchange. And it was a nightmare over and over and over again. So there were things I did not like about it. I lost my doctor and the politics of it all. Plus the exchange was terrible. Plus I... um, I'd always deal with the IRS coming after me for the 600 bucks, even though I had insurance, had to show proof of insurance. It was a mess. Maybe you experienced the same thing, or maybe your experience was good. One of the things that I did like about it, however, was that if you have a pre-existing condition, you should have insurance. That's the whole point of having insurance. Now, I know insurance companies don't want to pay out because they lose money. But the whole point of having health insurance is that if you get sick and bills start arriving, and you have to get medical attention and so on, then the insurance that you've been paying for should kick in. Made total sense. And that was something that was divisive for a long time. I think it's kind of mellowed out because I think the other side realizes that it's a good thing. And that's what we have to come to. We have to come to those type of understandings that, you know what, we might disagree on things because politics are involved. But there's some things that we really need to come together because it's for the good of the people. Now, I know you vaccine people are saying, well, then just get the vaccine. Well, that's not the point. That's not what we're talking about here. We've talked about that enough. And we'll probably talk about it down the road because i got a few people that are non at the bit to come on the show and talk about it with me, and we're going to get them on. But, um, but let's keep this idea going of making America great again by building back better. Okay, That Obamacare was just an example of how you can take something that's a political agenda, a political ideology. You know, insurance was his thing, the Obamacare, and how there's good things that can come of it if you are, let's say, a Republican and look at it. And then there are bad things if you want to be a Republican and look at it. But then if you're a Democrat, you probably just looked at the whole thing and said it was great. I don't know. Maybe you had some insurance problems and changed your mind. But so recently we celebrated Columbus Day, Indigenous People Day, or whatever else you want to call it. And so Columbus Day was originally the uh, holiday. It was established in 1937 to, believe, uh, to be, I believe, the second Monday in October. 
And so in 1492, long, long time ago, maybe you don't know this, but in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Nina Pinta Santa Maria. He was Italian, and he uh, set sail under the Spanish flag, and he wanted to try to find a shorter way to get to the West Indies, which would be basically modern-day India, China, and Japan. And, of course, if you want to, you can check out online any history, history history.com, National Geographic, whatever, and you can verify. These are just the facts. This isn't the politics. And so then he ended up in what is now the uh, modern day of the Bahamas and in the Caribbean. So in essence, Christopher Columbus never really did set foot on what is now the current U.S. soil. It was down in the Caribbean. So a lot of people want to uh, do away with Christopher Columbus. Okay. Because, yeah, he did some bad things. But let's take a look at it. There could be some multiple truths going on. Okay. So first off, we could be celebrating the fact that Christopher Columbus engaged in the discovery of a new land. Now, people might say, well, it's not new because there were indigenous people there. But to the, the world at that time, the world of commerce, it was a new land. Something that might not have been on the map before. Well, how about that great mariner expedition setting off in the Nina Pinta Santa Maria and going across the Atlantic looking for a shortcut to the West Indies? That's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty powerful and impactful event that took place there. Because you've got to realize that today we've got cruises that we like to go on that are starting to open back up again after the pandemic. Maybe you're looking forward to going on a cruise. Those type of entertaining things would not be possible without people like Christopher Columbus setting sail. So he did enslave people. That's a fact. Don't need to hide that. I think a lot of it was in the Caribbean, though, like Haiti, the Dominican Republic, maybe Jamaica and other places. But what happened? When the Spanish government found out about it, they punished him and they removed his uh, governorship and basically kicked him to the curb. Again, do your research and look it up yourself. Don't take my word for it. But again, we're divided along political lines. We have to either have Columbus Day or we have to have Indigenous People Day. And so we argue about it. We fight about it. So something as simple as just taking a day off and celebrating people. Why can't we celebrate both? Why can't you celebrate Christopher Columbus and all the good that he did, recognizing the the bad that was involved? But even the Indigenous people, we could celebrate the fact that they were around. And their culture. So you can have two truths. But then ultimately it comes down to, again, we are divided among political lines because we've made it a political issue. A guy that died in, what, like 1502? That's what we're arguing about today? Not necessary. What we can do, though, is let's change the narrative. Okay? What if we start looking looking at people as people? Looking at groups of people as people. Looking at cultures as the product of the people in that sect, S-E-C-T. If we can have compassion, we can have uh, recognition, we can have understanding of what these groups are, what these people are. Why do we have to fight over it? There's a lot of people that are Italian, of, of an Italian heritage, that admire Christopher Columbus and celebrate him. There's a lot of people that admire 
and celebrate the indigenous people. But why do we have to fight over it? Why does that have to be a political thing? Why can't we celebrate both? Nobody's perfect. I'm sure there's a lot of things that indigenous people did to each other that were pretty bad. That's just human life. But as long as things remain political, there will always be a source of contention. So then the battle rages on. Those that want Columbus Day, those that want Indigenous People Day, and then the rest of us, or the rest of those that just want the day off. Name it whatever, and we don't care. Now, how can you not care? Well, because when you get into the political fray and the political fight, it doesn't matter. So how can we make America great again and build back better, or make America great again by building back better, if we're always fighting about even things like this, something that the guy died in 1502, And it goes on and on and on. Now, the other thing that talk about travel is that you have this whole Southwest airline thing going on. So Southwest airlines basically has had to cancel a lot of flights, delay flights because there's a work shortage. And basically they said it was because of weather and some other issues and everyone's looking at their phone and it's like, dude, it's 81 degrees in Jacksonville. It's 80 degrees in Miami It's a beautiful day in Tampa. Where's this weather? Well, basically what it comes down to is that there was an organized walkout because of the vaccine mandate. Southwest wanted everybody to be vaccinated. And so the uh, pilots, they walked out. They're actually not really necessarily protesting in a way, like an official protest. But what they're doing is that they have until November to get vaccinated. And so what they're doing right now is they're using up all their vacation time and sick time and stuff like that. They're burning it now. And Crews that are off are not picking up extra shifts, so that's the delay, the, the, the shortage. So has this been going on for a while? Well, it's been developing. It's been developing for a while, but could you imagine if you were one of those people that was maybe heading to the airport or maybe you were planning a trip to go see someone? Would this have been your reaction and this been a, your experience to it? We didn't find out till 5 o'clock this morning that it was canceled. And then we were on the phone for, what, seven hours? Seven hours before they four, 44 minutes before they answered the phone because it was so backlogged. They said they were having problems. They wouldn't say what it was. And you're lucky you got a flight. The weather's fine in all connecting areas. Um, there's, no, there's no bad weather. Um, there's got to be something behind the scenes that they're not telling us. So a lot of people are impacted by this. The first thing that came to mind was, man, that must suck because I traveled a lot on Southwest over the last year, year and a half. Did a lot of traveling, and I used Southwest because it was a little bit more convenient, plus you get free baggage, um, and that helps. But, uh, yeah, so I can understand those delays. I can understand the frustration because traveling is never fun. But then the next thing that popped into my brain was that how many of these people were supportive encouraged, took part in the riots of 2020. Now, how does this correlate? Well, in the riots of 2020, which were apparently approved by society, a majority of people in society agreed with it. You had businesses that were lost because they were burned down. People's life savings gone when these buildings were burned down. You had other private property demolished or damaged, vandalized, costing money, whether insurance money or out of pocket. You had a lot of people injured. You had some people killed, okay? So how many of these people that were delayed because there weren't enough pilots to get the planes going because the pilots are, in essence, protesting this vaccine mandate, 
How many of them were part of the summer of 2020 riots and all the damage that took place and are now complaining about not making their flight? See, if we want to make America great again by building back better, we have to be able to, if we accept one thing, we have to be able to accept the other side of it. So the peaceful protesting that took place in the summer of 2020, now you've got a peaceful protest going on here. Well, if you're inconvenienced by it, you just got to deal with it. Because you can't say this is okay over here and then get all pissy because you're affected over here. See, we don't like to have anything affect us. We have a cause, and as long as that cause doesn't affect us directly, we're all for it. But once it hits us directly, we don't like it because we want to live our comfortable lives. We don't want to have the sacrifice. We don't want to go that extra mile in our beliefs because if it impacts us, it's the whole not in my backyard thing. You know, you look at the homeless uh, situation in Los Angeles and everybody wants to help the homeless, house the homeless. But then when it comes right down to it, people don't want to uh, have them in their neighborhood. There was a, um, a mission that was in uh, Los Angeles on Skid Row and they were looking to maybe connect with the National Guard and their abandoned armories that were around Southern California and see about putting homeless, making homeless shelters out of them. And the community rose up against it. They did not want homeless people because they felt it would drag down their communities, property values, things like that. Venice, which had a huge population problem through 2020 that escalated. I'm not sure if they've cleaned it up because of Venice Beach, a lot of problems. But they tried to put a community center or a homeless shelter in there, and a lot of the Venice residents who complained multiple times ad nauseum about the problem didn't want it because it's in their neighborhood. So you want the problem to be elsewhere. We don't want to fix it. If it doesn't affect us, then we're all for it. But once it affects us, then we don't want to make America great again by building back better. And so you have back to Southwest, you have an organized walkout or an organized thing going on, a protest, we can call it. And so um, you had the city of Jacksonville, I guess their um, entire air traffic control shut down. Again, you didn't have anything outside of the fact that these people were taking time off and burning their sick pay, and it was an inconvenience because flights. And so why are people getting mad, though, if the pilots aren't working because, A, they have vacation time, they have sick time, it's their choice to take it, and then, B, you have people that might take overtime and work extra shifts if they're off. They're not forced to take it. So if they're just doing what they can normally do within the parameters, it seems like, of what the company has and the company offers, then maybe they're doing okay. Maybe there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, and you just have to suck it up if you're traveling. Something to think about. But then if we're going to build back better and we want to make America great again, where's our leadership? We have to think about that. A lot of people uh, kind of blame the uh, former president for the COVID situation. And there are probably a lot of things that he could have done differently to make it better. So it didn't maybe spread so much. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. But then let's take a look at now. We've got a border crisis. We have a uh, vice president that's supposed to be the border czar. She's absent. She's doing kid videos about space. You have a transportation secretary. Absent. Where's he at? See, we can't make America great again by building back better if we have absent leadership. If we have people that aren't going to stand up and be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Now, I've flown Southwest a lot. 
I've experienced a lot of good travel with Southwest and some pretty crummy travel too. And so I know what it's like to be out there. And I've talked about it on previous episodes. You know, I remember one time during the, the pandemic, I was flying from LA to San Francisco and the middle seat was supposed to be empty for safety. So I made my plans and I bought my tickets accordingly. And then all of a sudden I show up to my flight and all of a sudden the middle seat is booked. During a pandemic, I might have changed my mode of transportation if I knew it. But what happened was the quarterly reports came out. Money was down. Got to sell those seats. Okay. We have a lot of uh, passengers that are unruly. But we also have a lot of flight attendants unruly too. We've had some pretty good flight, ascent, uh, flight attendants that are patient, helpful. But we have others that are just, they want nothing to do with it. They think of this as their time off. I've seen flight attendants sitting in the back. I've seen them on their phones. I've seen them asleep. I've seen them reading their books, yucking it up because they have no services. They don't have to provide anything except for maybe a little cup of water and a bag of of snacks of pretzels or something, but they don't have to do the work. So now if we're making America great again by building back better, are those flight attendants, are they trying to get out of work and keep this mandate, this mass mandate and all these rules about COVID in place so that they don't have to do work during the flight? Or as more people travel, are they going to, have that customer service to invite us back. It's something to think about. And so we have to have patience on both sides. We have to have understanding on both sides. If somebody's now wearing a mask, do we really have to jump on them right away and escalate immediately? There might be a time for that. But then there also might be a time where you have to have some understanding. There was a a story related to me where somebody was sitting on the aisle seat. The person in the middle seat happened to fall asleep. And their mask happened to dip below their nose. The flight attendant came, reached over the person who was on the aisle seat telling me the story, invaded that space, started nudging the person that was asleep to wake him up to tell them to lift their mask, maybe two inches if that, completely violating everybody's space and causing a scene. Might not be necessary. So how do we do that? And so right now what you got going on is you've got these uh, pilots and they're out there. And they're doing what they're doing because they feel that this is what needs to be done. And here's one of the uh, pilots, a union rep pilot, that is uh, flies for Southwest. It's going to bring the airline industry to its knees. They can't operate with a 10% loss of their work groups currently. This affects the consumer. You know, we don't just fly people. We fly organs. We fly blood for hospitals, medical equipment, fresh food. This is going to affect your economy. It's going to affect your lifestyle. And it's going to affect the markets. It is a big deal. So is it worth it? Is the mandate worth it? Well, here's a CEO of American Airlines. He thinks the, the mandates are extremely important. I know a lot of you agree. A lot of you disagree. But if you have Southwest and their pilots not wanting to get the vaccine, so they're doing what they can, taking their vacation time because they're probably expecting to get fired, other people not wanting to take extra shifts, so you get a shortage, you get cancellations, you get delays, you get all kinds of travel nightmare headaches. And it's not only people, but it's consumer goods, it's health. Like he said, there's organs that are being flown across the country for operations. But here's what the uh, CEO of American Airlines has to say about the uh, mandates. I'd start on the con side. It's the same thing that leaders across the country are still wrestling with. Worried about attrition, worried about a tight hiring market, worried about the public reaction, the employee reaction. All of those things are real and legitimate risks. 
But on the pro side, it's about safety and about saving lives. And the reality is the fact is that you're about 300 times more likely to die if you're unvaccinated. And once you have that statistic in your mind, at least for me as a leader, that trumps everything else. It trumps all the cons, it trumps all the risks, and really leaves you with no choice but to require the vaccine. I'm not really sure that I believe the 300% thing, but we'll just leave it at that. But so he has decided that once he gets his information, that there's no doubt in his mind above anything else, the vaccine mandate is necessary. Okay, well, there's going to be fallout from that. People don't want it. And if pilots don't want it, and if pilots decide that they want vacation time, and if flight crew decide that they don't want to work because they figure they'll be fired down the road, but yet it's going to cause a huge problem, where's the compromise? So maybe a lot of people at American Airlines, they haven't really had that issue, but now maybe Southwest is going through it. And it's proving one thing. It's proving that the people can take back the narrative. A lot of people are going to these uh, school board meetings, right? And they're out there and they're fighting the school boards. And now apparently the DOJ and the FBI, they're going to like, there was talk about the attorney general making them domestic terrorists because they're talking out against some of the stuff that they're being taught in school. Their kids are being taught in school. I know some people, when I was looking up clips for the Southwest airlines, there were a lot of things, uh, a lot of people calling the pilots domestic terrorists. Really? They're domestic terrorists because they took a sick day or they decided to do what was right within their legal framework of working the job. They did nothing illegal. They did nothing wrong. They didn't do anything except what is allowed by the company for them to do. And they're domestic terrorists? Come on. See, that's where we have the divide. That's where we have the disconnect. And it continues to flow. When you have that kind of disconnect, there was another lady that I heard in a clip in the uh, man on the street type clips when they were out there interviewing people at the airport. And she uh, said that, uh, referring to unvaccinated people, she didn't want to be near them. Who's them? The unvaccinated people are the people that have done absolutely nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. And you're like, yeah, they haven't done anything. They haven't gotten a shot, but they haven't done anything. So what's different about them? Well, nothing. And remember a couple of weeks ago, or actually, I guess it's been longer than that, but a few episodes back, we talked about the blue-eyed, brown-eyed experience from that third grade teacher in Iowa and how she just designated one day that the blue-eyed were going to be the superior people and the brown eyes weren't. And so the blue eyes got favor in the class and it got ugly quick. And then the next day she flipped it and the brown-eyed people had the favor, but they didn't learn anything and they got ugly and mean. And before you know it, you have fights going on. You have people calling each other brown-eyed and blue-eyed, basically calling each other names. And she said that she saw well-mannered, great kids turn evil in a matter of seconds when this whole thing was put into place, and that's where we're at. So we can't make America great again by building back better if this is where we're going to be. If we're calling fellow passengers them, if we're calling pilots who have all the legal right, according to their company, to take vacation time and sick time, and people don't have to fill those times up. It's not mandatory. If they're doing everything according to the guidelines and the bylaws of the company, why are they domestic terrorists? Because it inconvenienced you? Well, you were out there inconveniencing a lot of people in 2020. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. And so the guy, the CEO, and a lot of CEOs probably have to plan for it. Hospitals have to plan for it. Nurses. Doctors, if you're going to get fired, 
in the middle of a pandemic? Does it make sense that a hospital is going to get rid of you in the middle of a pandemic? So that's the narrative that we want. We're not going to get better. We're not going to raise the standard. We're not going to bring out inner greatness. We're going to continue to slide and eventually slide off the cliff. And so it's going to continue. And one last clip I want to play. It's a college professor who is apparently an uh, expert in travel and in air fl- uh, airplanes and stuff like that. He had this comment to say about the uh, status of Southwest. But then previously, or I guess uh, as they were setting it up, they were just kind of talking about transportation in general. And there might be some issues with transportation for a long time, which will affect uh, holiday travel. So you better start thinking about your holiday plans. Because he thinks that there might be more issues out there that go beyond just Southwest. That's a really tough situation. I think the, uh, the somewhat muddled response about Southwest is perhaps making things worse. We do know it's, of course, a combination of factors. I mean, the weather's been bad, uh, air traffic control. But I think when you have uh, cancellation of this scale, 24% of the airline on Saturday, comparable to uh, that on Sunday, and today about 10%, and lots more late flights, there's something deeper about its ability for its labor to uh, ramp up to deal with the crisis. You know, I think we did see about five weeks ago the Southwest was very clear that they were short of ramp workers and of people at uh, some of the key airport positions. And, of course, uh, 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 pilots are in somewhat scarce supply. So they had a, a little ripple a while back. Uh, now something's exploded into a full-scale uh, meltdown that's finally getting a little better. Um but I do think perhaps they were too aggressive in adding flights back before they had the backup labor to handle that and uh, perhaps some morale problems that uh, prevented them from recovering. So he talks about morale problems. He talks about other issues, maybe trying to come back too fast from the pandemic, not enough crew and staff already. And so there's some issues. And so thus now you're in a situation with Southwest Airlines delaying a lot of flights. So one of the things now as we build back better, make America great again, one of the things we have to do is we just have to start looking at alternatives for the family. Maybe this is an opportunity to kind of switch things up because not only are the airlines having issues, but we've got a supply chain. Perhaps you've been to the grocery store and you're missing items. Maybe the shelves are a little barren, not used to it because there's a supply chain problem. There's something going on where, People are warning you that there might not be enough gifts under the Christmas tree because they're not going to be available because we don't have processing chips that have been going on for a while. And other things aren't going to make it to market because of the uh, supply chain issues. It remains a real mess. We saw uh, a lot of congestion earlier this year uh, at, at various ports and, and, in, and uh, trying to feed into economies in the U.S. and in Europe. And we're seeing it flare up yet again. The latest count outside the port of Los Angeles has 61 ships waiting to uh, waiting to enter uh, the terminals there. That's 61 container ships full with you know tens of thousands of of, of, of goods trying to get into the U.S. What we're seeing are companies. Uh, placing a lot of panic orders, trying to build inventories before the holidays, and and consumer demand uh, continues to be strong. Uh, We're seeing that in the numbers uh, coming in uh, just this week. One of the the logistics managers who I spoke to said it's just a constant negotiation trying to get these containers uh, to move their goods from Asia or Mexico or wherever they might be shipping from. So they're 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 responding by uh, you know paying a lot of money uh, to for transportation. 
transportation and, and you know if they can get it at all there's just no capacity uh, to move to move goods around the world right now no extra capacity it's all it's all being used up ships are full and and ports cannot handle uh, the volume that they're seeing so 61 ships outside the port of Los Angeles in Long Beach California which some say that backlog led to the uh, oil leak maybe a ship's anchor or something clipped the oil pipeline that caused that great and massive oil leak out there. But maybe one of the things that we can do is what if we work together to bring back manufacturing to our country? He talks about the, a lot of expense that goes into getting goods shipped here out of Asia. I know it's probably cheaper to make things in Asia. That's why they outsource it. But what if we start bringing things back? We wouldn't have the expense of shipping. We'd have it in country. But until it affects us, so maybe it's a good thing that we're not going to have, well, the goods for Christmas. Maybe we won't have the presents for Christmas. Because you know what? Maybe it's about time because we have some issues with travel. We have some issues with the goods, consumer goods that we might give for gifts. Maybe it's time to build families back better. Make families great again. Maybe this time, so last year we missed Christmas, the traditional Christmas possibly. Maybe you couldn't meet with family. Maybe you were uh, isolated. Maybe you're quarantined, couldn't travel, whatever the case may be. And so we're looking forward to having the more traditional Christmas. Well, maybe this holiday season, it's time to just focus on family, being together, getting together and making memories. It's not about the consumer goods. It's not about any of that. Maybe it's time we get families together again and just celebrate the holidays via family, making family memories. Maybe that requires us spending our money not on gifts, but maybe on a mode of transportation that will get us there on time or just transportation in general. Maybe it's train, maybe it's car, maybe it's drive. Maybe it's taking the money that we'd pay for all those televisions and stuff that might not be available and going on a trip as a family, making memories that way. And so as we start to build families up and we start making families great again, building families back better, then maybe we get better morale. Maybe we get better people because we're focusing on family. We're looking at people as people like we talked about earlier. And we start to appreciate people for people. And we're not looking at people as the opposition, the enemy. Because really, what are we battling here? We're just battling ideology. That's all it is. We're fighting over ideology from people that don't even care about us. Let's just be honest. They don't care about us. They think they do, or they want you to think they do, but they don't. And so that's what we do. So let's take that money and let's invest it in American businesses. Let's take that money that we'd spend on consumer goods and let's invest it in the family and do something with the family. Make it exciting. Make it fun. Maybe that's one way that we can go about doing it. You know, I want to play a clip here from Tyler Perry. He tells a story when he was a kid about a guy that he met. And here's the story that he uh, told everybody. Well, one day as I'm approaching this intersection, I hear this voice saying, will someone help me cross? He was in a suit. He had a cooler in the hand and a folded lawn chair in one hand and his cane in the other. Will someone help me cross, he said. People kept ignoring him, walking past him with their busy lives. We were poor, but we were busy. I don't know why poor people are so busy. (laughs) I said, I'll help you in my 13-year-old changing voice. He said, well, thank you, son. May I have your shoulder? 
I said, yes, sir. He said, don't trick me now. I said, no, sir, I won't. We crossed the street. I asked him where he was going. He told me that he was going to, uh, to my school to sell perline candies to the kids. So I helped him to the school and he said, thank you. And he told me that God would bless me for my kindness. He and I became friends. We took that walk every day. I came out of school one afternoon and there he was sitting outside in that lawn chair selling praline candies, 25 cents. And I saw one of the kids try to buy candy, right? And they gave Mr. Butler a dollar and they told him it was a $5 bill. I stepped in and I said, Mr. Butler, this is a scam. Needless to say, I had a lot of enemies at that school, but it didn't matter. I was glad to do it. You see, Mr. Butler was one of the first men in my life to see me. And what made it all the more special is that he was blind. So here, uh, Tyler Perry, at the age of 13, ends up befriending, first off, helping a blind man cross the street, and then befriending him. And then making sure that people that went to his school were honest in dealing with the business of the candy business with the blind guy, proper transactions. So a couple of things pop out first is that people wouldn't help him. I mean, that's just amazing. It's amazing that people won't stop and help somebody across the street, especially somebody who doesn't have sight. So that can be a pretty hairy thing, especially during the age of Tyler Perry 13. You think now, oh, we've got the crosswalk that beeps and tells you to walk. No, that probably wasn't the case back then. Probably didn't have those friendly curbs that have the driveway to them, you know, the ADA compliant. None of that was probably back then when Tyler Perry was 13. Maybe there wasn't even a crosswalk. Maybe there wasn't even a cross sign. We don't know, but you can't think of it as today's standards because you have to think of it back then. So the impact of Tyler Perry at the age of 13 being able to do that and then befriending him. But this is the key. The man saw Tyler Perry for who he was, and the man was blind. See, oftentimes we're deceived by sight. Sight is a magician's best friend. If we don't have sight, we can't be deceived by that sleight of hand that makes the magic work. If we don't see it with our eyes, we can't believe it. Well, I saw it. I witnessed it. So therefore, it must be true. But if we don't have sight, we have to let the other senses take over. So maybe it's about time if we want to make America great again by building back better. Maybe we have to lose our sight. Stop looking at people through the lens of politics, through the lens of bias, through the lens of racism, because that's all we're doing. Them people, that lady, I don't want to travel with them. Well, what's wrong with them? They didn't get a shot? Well, at one point in this country, weren't we outraged that people were discriminated and couldn't go into restaurants and couldn't go into bars and had to wash their clothes and drink out of certain fountains only because of the color of their skin. And now we're right back to that. You can't go into bars and restaurants and stuff like that because you don't have a vaccine. It's discrimination. But people don't see it that way. People see it through the lens of politics. You want to say it's in the guise of science and health, but it's really not because it's become evil. It's become evil to the point that we don't communicate. I'll post something on social media. I've got a few people that will respond, that respond to other things I do. But then I'll get a bunch of people responding, who are you? Who are you on my social media? I can't, I don't even remember you being friends with me, but okay. 
And now you're going to jump on me? Where's all the other stuff to comment on, the pictures and the other videos and stuff like that? But no, you're going to pick on this because that's how you see it through the lens of politics? So maybe just like this guy who's blind seen Tyler Perry for who he was. And Tyler Perry has come up with a lot of great things, a lot of funny stuff. But if you go beyond the actor, Tyler Perry, start digging into who he is, much like Steve Harvey and some of these other people, like Gary Sinise did with military, there's a lot of people that have a lot of meat to them that's under, kind of under the surface. You know them as an actor, and you know them as someone that performs, maybe funny. But there's a lot of people with substance out there that have things to say. And so imagine Tyler Perry, if he didn't have that story to tell. So maybe we need to start looking at people as being blind or through our blind eyes. Because that way, maybe our other senses will kick in and we'll start to realize who other people are like. There might be other people that are still just as bad. There might be other people that you start to realize that, okay, wait a minute, I've been biased towards them. Maybe there's other people that I'm not listening to because I haven't perfected or even worked on the art of listening. Those two things, there's the art of listening and there's the art of hearing. Hearing, you might be able to hear what I said, but you can't repeat it back to me. Listening is hearing with understanding, knowing what I said, being able to tell me what I'm talking about. A lot of times we just hear people and we get lost. We get lost in the multitasking of social media. We get lost in the multitasking of the narcissism that we have. We get lost in the multitasking of the number of things that we do to distract us from one-on-one communication. How many friends have we lost? How many family members have we divided against? Would we go back and do that again? You know, the state that we're in right now, making America great again by building back better. How can we do that? It starts with the family, I believe. There might be times where the family coming together, and I'm not talking about like deep-seated family things from 20 years ago, although that might be a good thing if that works out. You can always go back and fix that, but maybe that's not going to be the case. But I'm talking more immediate. Were you divided because of a vaccine? Were you divided because of a, a mask? Are you divided because of a dude that died in 1502, which was what, like almost over 400 years ago? Why? Are you divided because somebody you don't know on Capitol Hill is telling you something? We don't know if it's true. Remember, information on Twitter, false information on Twitter spreads six times faster. Are you double-checking your information with multiple sources to see if what you're fighting over is real? Are you actually listening to the people? Or are you just getting your response ready to cut them down so you can get the last blow in? Because that's where we are. So if we start looking at people with blinded eyes, you know, when a horse runs, sometimes they have to wear blinders because they get distracted and they lose focus on the race. So they put the blinders on to keep all the periphery vision from distracting the horse. And now the horse is just focused on running straight. Maybe we need to put blinders on. Get rid of the periphery. Get rid of the noise out here. Get rid of the news media, the social media tweets, and start focusing on what's in front of us. Start focusing on the family. Start focusing on things that are important. Looking at the homeless crisis, not necessarily as a crisis, but as people that are hurting. We got to do it responsible. We got to do it correct. 
We want to do it so we solve the problem, not create a bigger issue. Maybe that's what we need to do on the southern border. Maybe that's what we need to do with flights. Maybe that's what we need to do in our daily life when we deal with other people. Those times that we have to do things that we may not enjoy or we may not want to do, but there's also times where we can set the standard, raise the standard, bring out the inner greatness, try to be that inspiration for other people because otherwise we're just going to continue to spiral down. And as long as we're continuing to spiral down, we can never get great again. We can never build back better. Things are going to only get worse. And from here, to be honest, that's what I see. So what can we do to make America great again and build back better? Start with ourselves and then one-on-one. Maybe put those blinders on and look at people as people, not through the lens of politics, not through the lens of bias. Kind of like the old adage, you don't know somebody unless you walk a mile in their shoes. Maybe have understanding. When you're fighting over a guy that died over 400 years ago, maybe it's okay to understand that, yes, these people, they feel like they were a part of a group of people that were negatively affected by him, indigenous people. But yet maybe the Italian heritage and others recognize the great feat that it took to cross the ocean and to come to a new land. Anybody that you have up on a pedestal, unless you're religious and maybe you have a religious member up there, but most everybody is going to fall short in some fashion. Okay, Everybody's going to have things in their closet, the skeletons in their closet. We just found that out about John Gruden, former head coach of the Raiders now. So are we going to allow that? Because I guarantee you that people will look in your closet and something's going to come up and it's going to bite you. People like to call that karma. People like to call that fate. We don't excuse bad behavior, but we understand that things can go bad for somebody. And we understand that there needs to be a a need to correct it. But it's not one thing. The world doesn't fit in a box. There's not one solution to everything. It's not a one-size-fits-all world. There's many different things that we can do, many different solutions possibly. And then we just have to be able to be open to it. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about social media. The whistleblower came out. And one of the things that we've seen from social media over time is the fact that it has a negative impact on our young people and how there's now an assault on young people. You know, why is it that we want to sexualize young people? Why do we want to have, you know, a transgendered youth? Why do we want to push that on them? Why do we want to push a sexualized society on them? Why do we want to change their gender? Why do we want to allow them to have abortions without parental consent? Why do we want to do all this? You know, there's some underlining theme there of why we're pushing this on people. I know it's a belief system. Again, we're looking at people, again, through a political ideology. We're not looking at them as kids. Let them be kids. Life is tough enough as it is. Let them be kids while they can. A lot of those kids are having issues at home because the parents are problematic. You know, teachers out there, mentors, coaches, you know, those are the people that are sometimes filling the void from the parents. But why do we have to have an assault, a societal assault on kids? Let them be kids. 
Because when they grow up, as they get older, life's going to be tough enough as it is. And the world we're living in now, if it continues, if we don't make America great again by building back better, it's going to continue to get worse for them. We're not going to leave the kids of our future generations better off than what we were or our parents were. And that's what we're supposed to do, right? As parents, the parental generation supposed to make things better and easier for our kids. Leave them with a better way of life, a better world to live in, but we're not doing that. The latest thing I saw on social media was pole dancing. That's right, pole dancing. When I say pole dancing, what do you think of? An exotic dancer? Someone that's maybe a stripper? Now, there's this move towards making it an athletic event like gymnastics, okay? But still, when you think of youth, six years old, pole dancing, what do you think of that? There was a show called The Doctors. don't really know these people, but they had a conversation about it, and I'd like to play just a, a little bit of that conversation for you so you get an idea of maybe what some so-called professionals might think about it. To me, this is a stretch. I would not want my daughter on a pole, near a pole, to see a pole. As a mom, I tend to agree with Rachel. I, I do think we have to kind of look at it from another standpoint. You know, just philosophically, does everything have to have a sexual con- connotation today? And well, are we gonna... so... Yeah, it's what you're saying. And are we so locked up with, you know, kind of sexualization and stigmas that sometimes isn't just a pole a pole? It is. I mean... And we have a choice yeah, here. But I don't, I don't think a, in our culture we can separate no, the pole. No, not in our culture. The pole but I think that's sad. Being the pole. I yeah, mean, if well. you say you have a pole in your house, I think automatically as a woman, you know, people are going to think, oh, okay, she's a freak. She's got a pole in her house. <laughs> I mean, not that I am exercising on the pole. So I think it, it's going to be really hard in this day and age to unsexualize the pole. I think it's, I think it's happening. Mm-hmm. I think that the pole is becoming more of a fitness tool. And as that evolves, you might see this becoming ubiquitous in gyms across the country. And then at that point, all of a sudden, it becomes more associated with fitness than with stripping. Then you could see the change. Now, like, think about ballerinas and all the fitness classes now that use a horizontal pole. Uh, You know, to me, (laughs) it's geometry and physics. It is. Like, horizontal poles are okay. Vertical ones are not. Oh, come on. That's completely different. We see poles are in the fire station and in the strip club. And other I, than that, other than that, that's that's all we get with a with a vertical pole. So what do you think? Youth pole dancing. Now I've seen a lot of people now adults do kind of like a uh, like I said an athletic or maybe a fitness style of pole dancing on social media, or maybe that's the style that they post. Maybe there's more going on behind the scenes. But again, adults, as long as it's consensual and as long as it's legal, I guess it's up to them to decide what they want to do. But again, youth, is it something good? Because again, like they said, we are in a sexualized society. Why? Because that's what everyone talks about. We talk about sex all the time. You go to social media, social media is all sexualized now. When I scroll through my feed, all I see is a lot of sexualized content. So I backed off a lot because it's like, that's not what I'm there for. You got sites like fans only or only fans, whatever it is, that bring it to the consumer without having to go anywhere. You've got uh, movies like Cuties on Netflix, and everyone supports that. If you don't know what Cuties was, it was a uh, 
basically a show about uh, young girls. Yeah, just go look it up. I'm time to talk about it. But it basically sexualizes young women. A lot of people thought when they saw it. And there's other shows out there that are like that. Okay. And then don't forget, we've got things like human trafficking that goes unreported and untalked about. And you've got like gateway things. So could pole dancing be a gateway thing? Could it be something that triggers somebody? A predator? Because I've seen some video, not a lot, but you go to YouTube, you can see, I think there was um, like uh, America's Got Talent, the UK or something. There was somebody, you know, a young gal doing her thing there on pole dancing. But again, they're dressing very scantily. The pole movements that they're doing could be viewed as sexualized. Now, there's some people that are very talented at it. I'm not talking about the young people, but some of the older people. And it's almost like an art form. I remember I was at a club in Hollywood one time years ago. And there was a pole there. It was just a dance club. And they had a show. And this gal came out and she uh, worked the pole. And it was very artistic. Nothing sexualized about it. So, yeah, we, don't, we can have things that aren't sexualized. But in society in general, when you say pole, pole dancing, you're probably thinking something exotic. Or maybe a fireman. Never thought of a fireman until they said that. But that's what happens because that's what we are. Everything is sexualized. It just is. Look on TV. Look on advertisements. Look on your uh, social media feeds. Look at the movies that are being produced. Everything is sexualized. And so should it be? Should we be able to say that pole dancing is not sexualized? Absolutely. But we can't do that in our society. So it's a good thing for young people to be out there doing that. Whether there's a parent, a set of parents, a mom and dad, that are trying to change the culture. I believe they're in Chicago. And so uh, they were talking about trying to get their kids and doing pole dancing with their kids. And so here is their comment about the whole thing. There still seems to be this weird stigma attached to it that you can't separate the exotic from the sport. And we're trying to, you know, put a stop to that if we can. If someone is thinking about it in that light, we're not the problem. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's their mind. Their mind's one in the gutter, so, I mean, it's kind of like put the mirror on yourself type of thing. I understand where he's coming from, but I disagree with him because, again, society has put it. Lingerie football. Did you know there was such a thing? Okay. So, again, you have the sport and you have the exotic. Well, lingerie football, people aren't watching lingerie football to see football. They're watching lingerie football to see the sexualized nature of football to see the good-looking women out there, maybe button heads or whatever, and their scantily clad outfits. So not everything is separated sport and non-sport because that's the way society is. Okay? And so, yes, I can understand the parents wanting to get it out there and make it more of a sport, maybe more of a fitness and not so sexualized, but you can't automatically judge. See, again, he's separating it. You should put the mirror on them. They should put them in. No, you got to have understanding that that's what the culture is. That's what society is about. Society is sexualized. And you have to have understanding that there's people out there that are going to be legitimately concerned about the young people today on a poll. Just like there's people legitimately concerned about the vaccine. Just like there's people legitimately concerned about other things that are going on, like maybe what they're teaching in schools. So they go to these school board meetings. See, when we look at things through a political lens, there's always a divide. They're the bad people. They're the ones that need to look in the mirror. They're the ones that should get the, out of the gutter in their mind And because my little kid's on a pole. They're the ones that should just do what the school board says. They're the ones that should just mask up and get vaccinated because that's just what we need to do. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that isn't the flu, the, the, 
modern day flu, the everyday flu shot, isn't that an egg based thing? Aren't there people maybe allergic to eggs? Last time I went and got the flu years ago, they asked me if I was allergic to eggs. I remember Dr. Dr. Fauci recently talking about uh, uh, vaccines being made from eggs. Well, if there's an egg allergy involved, see, you don't know. You don't know the full story. You don't know what's behind it. You got to have compassion and realize that, yes, there's people that have had been adversely affected, athletes whose careers are done because they got a shot. People who innocently went to a club and now they've been sex trafficked. Young girls, even young boys that have been victimized because there's a predator out there and was triggered by something. And that triggering could be seeing somebody at a youth event at the local YMCA dancing on a pole. You never know. So you can't automatically just assume that, oh, your mind is in the gutter. You need to look in the mirror. No. You got to look at what society says and have an understanding that society dictates that this is what's going on. That a pole and pole dancing for all eternity up until now has been sexualized. Just a fact. Pole dancing was probably invented and shortly thereafter it was sexualized. Okay. So we got to sit there, and again, if we're going to make America great again and build back better, we got to tear down those barriers. We got to not automatically judge. We got to look on people with our blinders, blinders on, maybe blinded vision, and understand that there's people out there that truly do cons- are concerned about what is going on. There are people truly concerned about the state of the youth, and that perhaps by doing this activity, it might not be the best because it might cause issues. A movie like Cuties might be problematic. You never know. So if we're going to make America great again by building back better, we need to have a better conversation. We need to, we need to take responsibility to go out there and try to talk to others and try to have an understanding and try to put the communication in at the grassroots level, the grassroots level, the neighborhood, the communities, because it's not going to happen at the top. We got to go from bottom up, not top down. Because after all, we live in the communities. It's up to us to take part. Start with the conversation. Start with something simple and easy. Listen is the big thing. Listen, learn, quick to listen, slow to speak, look with blinders on, and have compassion and understanding and realize that people are people and not one size fits all. And it's going to take all of us coming together to make it so that we can get to the point where we can actually make America great again by building back better. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Hey, check us out on Instagram at Two Steps Ahead Podcast, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. My personal page is Edom Rocks, E I D E M R O C K S. If you want to know anything about RadioWarp.com, maybe watch other videos or listen to the show, you can always go to RadioWarp.com, RadioWARP.com. It has links to our SoundCloud page, has links to our videos on YouTube, has links to Pandora, Spotify, all the places. So RadioWarp.com, one-stop shopping for Two Steps Ahead podcast. Hey, we'd like to thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And again, be with us as we march towards uh, episode 100, our centennial. We truly appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening. And we appreciate you uh, just spreading the word, maybe a post on social media or maybe telling a neighbor, hey, listen to this guy. He maybe knows something about something, and uh, he's trying to do something to 
Make America great again by building back better. Hey, Two Steps Ed podcast, take your passion, make it happen. Let yourself be great. We'll see you next time.